just a quick warning that we're going to be talking about death, about existential dread, about life. So if uh, you're not in the right headspace for that, then maybe just skip these next few episodes or like maybe this whole album because Divers is crazy. <laughs> okay. Thanks for listening. Episode of A Hopeless Endeavor, a Joanna Newsome podcast. My name is Sam. My name is Nikki. Welcome, welcome. Today is such a special episode. It is. I am holding <laughs> in my hand, not have one on me, not East. In fact, a whole new one, a whole new world. <laughs> Guys, we're starting divers. Uh, we're starting divers, and it is. The most intimidating thing we've done so far, to me at least. It is Kingfisher level, but for the whole album, intimidating. Okay, so why why do you feel <laughs> like that? <laughs> okay, so <clears throat> for me, that feeling comes from... Okay, so I think that I've put more time and effort, like, uh, uh, pretending that this podcast doesn't exist, yeah. like, before we started doing research for this podcast... Um, I think I had spent more time and effort researching divers than any of the other albums or songs or whatever, just because, um, I mean, I think partly just because of like, I was plugged into the internet ish. I mean, I'm still not really, but like plugged in as much as I was going to get plugged into the internet at the time of divers coming out. And so instead of just like it being this very like solo personal, um, delve into the album like it was for me with Milk Eyed Mender and East and Have One On Me. With Divers, it was like way more of this collective endeavor. I learned so much from reading other people's opinions on it, like right as it came out. And then and then just like eagerly consuming all of the like different analyses and stuff, like sort of over the last whatever, has it been seven years since the album came yeah. out? Like it just feels like I don't know, just the internet just feels more abundant with information on divers. Yeah. And it's also like, to me at least, such high-minded, really, really in-depth uh, information analyses that like reference shit that I know nothing about and like yet seems to be really fundament fundamental to the themes of the album. It deals with time, which is a concept that I just like don't know how to think about. It's like these huge, massive themes and it all feels so important and interesting. And I don't want to do it a disservice because it's so good. <laughs> so that's that's where I'm coming from. <laughs> it's a lot in general. It's, it's just a lot. I kind of have the opposite experience. Ooh. This is the album that I have spent the least amount of time with. Okay. And honestly, haven't really thought about very much. Um, I also know nothing about like, what's interesting about this album is there is a lot of like named references, yeah. like very clear historical named things. I haven't looked into them, honestly, at all. Um, I think this album, maybe because it's more recent and maybe for other reasons that I'm not really able to articulate right now, it's just not something that I've and also because we haven't covered it yet on the podcast I haven't like spent you know eight hours a week looking at it or whatever but like <laughs> yeah. I appreciate it musically and that's kind of it for me um I mean obviously the art is incredible it's been like the cover of divers has been something I've brought with me to every apartment it's hung in every apartment since it came out um you know, it's been the background of my computer or phone or whatever for forever, ever, ever. But yeah, I haven't done a deep dive. I haven't really spent much time thinking about it at all. That's very fair. And <clears throat> it also makes me so excited to like nerd the fuck out with you yes. about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because there's so much, uh, there's like, 
honestly, I so I have these like distinct memories of when it came out. Like I was supposed to be working on my dissertation, <laughs> as I always am. But like very much, I remember like supposed to be doing work, and I would like go with my then partner to coffee shops, and he'd be like working on philosophy stuff, and I'd be just for hours on end, like six <laughs> hours on end, researching to add me some songs. Like I just like have these distinct memories of of. <laughs> wanting to invest my time in this more than anything else and and still like it's also one of those things that keeps it keeps giving like there's just so much to unpack here um and so but actually so in reading a bunch of the interviews that she did for this um like on her press tour for divers um, a lot of like she kept saying over and over people kept being like your work is dense like there's a lot going on and she was like yes but I also want to say that, like, it's important for me to communicate that, like, knowing all those references and knowing, like, all the layers that I've packed into these songs is not essential for, like, quote unquote, getting the songs. Like, she's like, it would be a failure for me if there, wa- if there weren't some, like, <clears throat> more immediate, like, emotionally driven impact of these songs. And so... Um, uh, yeah, like, so there's this one quote that I had, so I have 40 hundred quotes. I just, <laughs> well, that's a lot of well, something else we just said to each other before we started recording is we don't know if it's like, because this album is more new, if it, her music has just been more popular, but there's just like a lot more content wherein she herself is speaking about this album than anything else. So it feels like a lot to wade through in terms of like the lyrical content, but also like what she said and what she shared about yeah. the process of making this album and what everything means. Um, yes. Yeah. A hundred percent that she talks a lot about this. Like maybe it's just that people are more prone to like ask her these questions or to listen or to have her on interviews or whatever. But like there are, there's so much <laughs> from, mm-hmm. from like 2015, 2016 when, when divers came out. Um, but I, I had this like thesis statement Amazing. <laughs> that I wanted to start with because it just feels it to me like justifies some of our project here. So this is in an interview with Fader and, uh, the interview this is like mid interview. The interviewer, uh, says that her process sounds like a lot of work is the sheer labor of the music part of why people search for so much meaning within it. And she, she writes people. People know I put a lot into it. And if I leave 8,000 breadcrumbs around my door, I can't blame anyone for knocking on it. And then they ask, does heavy interpretation do a disservice to the music? And she responds, I love that there are people who listen at that level. It helps slightly soften the blow of existential horror. It's an incredibly creatively validating thing. But there's not a right or wrong way. I'm not comfortable with the idea that anyone needs to, quote unquote, get the songs uh, to get the songs. I don't want to clomp all over that with my heavy booted definitive statement on what it was supposed to be. So I wanted to just include that at the beginning because like I just feel validated at the idea that she's acknowledging that there's 8000 breadcrumbs everywhere and uh, we are here to come a knocking. And if we scoop up three of those... And it's fun. And like, I just love the idea that, you know, there's different levels to understanding any of her music, right? Like you can listen once and love it for what it is, or you can spend a year talking about an entire album and love it just the same. (laughs) Yeah, uh, absolutely. And still be missing a ton. (laughs) Like, Yeah. She also has expressed in a number of interviews. I have one from Entertainment Weekly and she says something similar in that Fader interview as well, where she just says like how much fun this album was to make, um, how collaborative it was. And also, and this is one of the reasons I love it musically so much, that it was one of the heaviest and saddest she's explored and sad music, my favorite, can't do better (laughs) than like a song that makes you cry. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I hold it close in that way for sure. Yes, I I love that she says it's some of the heaviest and occasionally the, the saddest. Because, um, yeah, you feel that in the songs. Like, I can't 
I literally can't not cry when I listen to Time as a Symptom. Like the end yeah, yeah. slaughters me every time. Do you have a do you have a like off the cuff favorite song? Um do I have an off the cuff favorite song? <laughs> I love, 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 love leaving the city. So much, but then also the last three just really do it for me. So you will not take my heart alive, a pin light bent, and time is a symptom. Those three as like sister songs kill me. Yes. It's uh, so good. What about you? It's so good. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't actually know. I like this changes, I think, but leaving the city a hundred percent and then time is a symptom, I think a hundred percent. Um, those two are like the standout ones there's only 11 songs like it feels paltry even though 11 songs is not a paltry al album that's like regular sized yeah. especially when we have like east with five songs it's just that they're coming fresh off of have one on me with its 18 yeah, exactly <clears throat> um but yeah i would say leaving the city and time is a symptom um I don't have a good like with have one on me. I know what like the fan favorites are is just from like I don't know. People just seem to have consent. Oh yeah. Disease. Let me look on Apple Music because sometimes like the oh yeah the stars. Mm -hmm. So anecdotes a pin like bent Sappho Conigan. Oh Those yeah, are the yeah, star yeah. ones. I'm surprised that die like Sappho Conigan makes sense for me because like. I guess there was a music she, like, video. released it as a single. Yeah. Yeah. Which is then, also just the rarest thing. Yeah. She, like, did music videos for this. For just Divers and Sapa Conaghan, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Anecdotes. It surprises me that Anecdotes has a star next to it. But yeah. I mean, it's, it's great, too. Um, <clears throat> okay. So there's a bunch of, like, quotes and shit I wanted to read. So just... Stop me if this gets redundant. It's um, in that same Fader interview. Another point that I thought was worth mentioning was uh, uh, the interviewer asks, "What did you want to say on divers?" And she responds, "If I could say it all the way, I wouldn't have bothered making a record." <laughs> <laughs> I will say that there's a thematic core of the album. Every song on the record is asking some version of the same question. The whole record is personal, but a lot of what is most personal is conveyed through pure fiction or sometimes even science fiction, science fiction, literally sci-fi. The subject matter is some of the heaviest and occasionally the saddest I've ever explored. It's linked to mortality and the idea of getting older. Time runs through every single song, but it was also the most fun to make. Uh, there's no way to know someone except to know them. <clears throat> so, yeah, that's referencing... Or that's the quote that you were referencing before. I like the idea, too, that we're not necessarily answering questions as we're, you know, endeavoring to work through all the teeny little pieces of parts of this album. But to just, like, figure out what exactly she's asking seems like a yeah. much more doable <clears throat> goal. Yeah, I really like that framing, too. Like, what is the question that's being asked rather than what's the answer? Yeah. Um. Okay. And then also I like started talking to you about this, but then stopped myself because I wanted to be recording when we were talking about it. But I was watching this infuriating Larry King interview with Joanna. I'm sure most of you guys have seen it. Um, So I say infuriating because I think he's a terrible interviewer. Yes. I think he does a bad job. I think he asks her the stupidest questions and she's so patient with him. And he does this like man interviewee thing where she's in the middle of answering his question that he just asked and he jumps in with another. He interrupts her to like ask the next question on his list that isn't related to what she was saying. Like it's not in conversation with her. It's just like and reading this like scripted list of questions and not listening to her answers. Which is infuriating no matter who he's interviewing. Like if you're having someone on your show, let them speak. Mm -hmm. and like if you're asking the questions be genuinely curious about what the answer is or and don't then, like, ask the talk. questions ask exactly. different questions or don't have them yeah. on <laughs> exactly so despite how annoying it is to watch um there were two questions that popped out to me that i wanted to um 
say, I guess. Um, so I transcribed the two. Um, so Larry King asks, the album is called Divers. What is the meaning of that title? Jenna says, it's sort of describing the narrators or the lead protagonist or the subject of all of the songs. There's some character in each song that's engaged in some version of diving. Falling or diving a plane, diving through water, falling through space. Um, okay, so that was interesting because I thought um, good to put that in people's minds, these different ways we can dive um, before we start sort of our in-depth analysis of each song on the album. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm taking and notes while you're talking. Question, <laughs> who is diving? <laughs> that is so okay. I love notes. Um, this is also a thought that I just had, but I seem to remember at some point, not during this like latest round of research on divers, but someone saying that divers is an old way of spelling diverse. Um, mm. So we get these like diverse perspectives throughout the album. And we'll talk about who we think the narrator is on this album or who we think the narrators are. Um, my theory is that it's not the same one, that each song has a different narrator. Um, but we can talk about that. So like that's another way of interpreting. Um, it's another spin on, I guess, the name of the album. Okay, and then within the in the Larry King interview, she also mentions that um, very sweetly. She says that her marriage has made her think more about death because there's someone you can't bear to lose, Aww. which is so sweet. And and she's sort of she's likening that or like connecting that in some way with the theme of the album, which I think is. Uh, We'll get to it, but I can see it there. I can see those themes there. And then this question is not necessarily insightful, but I thought it was just such a fucking ludicrous question that I wanted to include it. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> Larry King asks, are you abstract? <laughs> what does that even mean? I don't know. I told David that because I was so, like, offended slash amused at, like, what a stupid question that was. And David was like, is her answer supposed to be like, no, I'm concrete. Look, like, I'm right here. Yeah. Like, I don't I don't know what he wanted. It's like if you had but, taught an elementary school class about ab- abstraction, about abstract <laughs> art or something. And then they went around asking their friends at recess, like, oh, you're abstract. <laughs> Yeah, it's very weird for this, like, fully grown professional man who is, like, lauded for being a TV person. Just kind of phoning it in. <laughs> He's really phoning it in. Um, I'd say that's true. <clears throat> Her answer is, not on purpose? <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say abstract. Maybe more impressionistic, not literal. Um. Yeah, but then he like interrupts her because of course he does. Mm. <laughs> okay. So should I just say other stuff? About yeah. Divers? One thing you said, I really like the mm-hmm. idea of divers and diverse. And that is very much a thing in the etymology of divers. Um, diverse is described in this random etymology online website. Um Diverse is described as a specialized use of divers, meaning different in kind, not alike, essentially different. Divers implies difference only and is always used with a pearl noun. Diverse denotes difference with opposition. So there's like some cool back and forth there. Mm. But then also, as you were talking about that and the possibility of each song being a different narrator, I'm holding the vinyl. And what's interesting about the vinyl is that each song has its own piece of art with it. Mm. So the lyrics are separated from each other. And I don't know. I like that idea with the idea that, so like, here's 
pin light bent. It's got the lyrics on the back. And then there's another Oh, it's like piece. a literal separate sheet of paper. Yeah. There's anecdotes. Oh. It's got its own piece of art, its own. So that's interesting too. That's really cool. I didn't know that. I don't own the fucking vinyl. I don't know why I've never had these framed. Because they're yeah, those are so, so amazing. So this artist, cool. Kim Kiever, is absolutely incredible. He's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, that is so cool, though. I didn't realize that. And I yeah. love <clears throat> I love the way that that fits into that potential theory, at least. Yeah, just something to keep <clears throat> in mind. Yeah. Um, okay, let's see here. So... The New York Times reports that so okay, <clears throat> in throughout these interviews, Joanna keeps saying that like divers took her five years to complete. She mentions that she started writing it like pretty much as soon as the Havon on Me tour chaos ended. Um, Melissa Marciano of Blessing All the Birds in one of her posts about anecdotes, I think, um, mentions the fact that. Uh, you Will Not Take My Heart Alive was the first song that was ever written off of Divers. Oh, interesting. Okay. So I assume that that, um, that means that she was writing it like either right after the Heaven On Me tour or like during it even. Um, <clears throat> and so the New York Times reports that one of the reasons that it took five years to complete, because uh, uh, East came out in 2006 uh, and Heaven On Me came out in 2010. Mm-hmm. That's a four-year difference. It's only five years. I mean, we're at seven now. Yeah. Uh, well, from divers, there's a until... lot more going on right now. There is. There is a lot more going on. That's true. And then, what year did Monkey Mentor come out? Um, was it 2003? Uh, I'm not sure. Or 2004, maybe five, six. So like two years. 2004. Yeah. So okay, 2004. So two years between that and East. Four years between East and Heaven on Me. Five years between Divers, uh, Heaven on Me and Divers. And seven years in a pandemic with a bunch of shit going on. Okay. Um, so far, at least. All right. So anyway, she, the New York Times says that one of the reasons it took so long to complete is that she worked for the first time with multiple arrangers. Mm-hmm. So among them, David Longstreth of Dirty Projectors and composer Nico Mully, um, who has had operas commissioned by the Met Metropolitan and written arrangements for Bjork and Sufjan Stevens. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> okay, let's see here. Um, so again, <clears throat> from this New York Times interview, uh, Joanna says that Divers is her most unified album. So this is a quote from her. It's a very dangerous word, but I think it's maybe the closest I've come to a concept record. God help us, she said. Uh, After writing the first few songs, including Divers and Sapokonikin, she mapped out a sequence of harmonies for the rest of the album. Then the lyrics took on an extra duty. They they had to have their own little narrative arc, but they also had to fit into the sequence, she said. So that's a little bit about the process of her writing Divers. And the idea of... A sequence is really interesting, too, just because this is the most, I think I can say, cyclical albums of hers. Like this album, at least in my mind, was made to be played on repeat. Yes, totally. Um, And I found this really interesting Facebook post today, I think under Joanna Newsom News and Discussions, Mm -hmm. where this amazing person laid out all of the tracks from divers and their starting and ending notes and it's super cool so like for example anecdote starts on the note e flat uh e minor what's eb is that e minor I think don't it's ask e minor. me you guys heard me read the last email <laughs> i think it's e minor so it starts on the note e minor and ends with c major chord then sapokonikin starts in c major and ends in d minor Leaving the City starts in D minor and ends in D minor 7th. Uh, Goose Egg starts in B major. So it's a minor 3rd down from D minor. Ends in F major. So like, but, but basically it's mapping. It. Yeah, exactly. And and each song is connected to the ones around it in a way that I think is super, super cool. Um, And then interestingly, uh, at the very end, so 
because we're talking about anecdotes today, although this isn't the anecdotes episode, I don't know what to do. But anyways, uh, time of the symptom starts on an F major chord, ends on the E minor chord, which is the same as the start of anecdotes. Which makes so much sense. And lyrically, it does that same kind of loop too, right? Yes, yeah. And with the bird song sound. And with the bird song. Uh, one of the things, and I said this to Nikki already, <laughs> was in reading some of the interviews she's done. One of the random interviews I came across um, was uh, the author was just saying like, oh, you know, anecdotes starts or the album begins and ends with a loon call. And I like record scratch stopped in my tracks. And was like, <laughs> has no one fact checked this? Like... This is for sure a morning dove. It says so in the album notes. Like, did you listen to sound clips of different birds? Because I did. I for sure did. I did, and I'm not even published. Yeah. Like, I'm. This is not a published thing. Yeah, but you know, small pet peeve. A small pet peeve. Fact check when it comes to Joanna, guys. Come on. Um, Fact check when it comes to birds. It's not hard to find a clip of a bird. <laughs> um okay uh one thing she said so you mentioned kim kiever's artwork so he we'll talk about we'll have a diver's album art oh i'm sure probably yeah yeah um i just wanted to mention here that one thing that she said about his work so the new york times reporter and joanna like went to go see kim kiever's work in person as a part of this interview oh cool and in talking about it she was like I like the fact that it's not clear whether they represent a period of time before humans or a period of time after humans, the post-apocalyptic thing, or whether they re represent just a part of the world where there are no humans, or whether they represent an iteration of Earth within the multiverse where humans never evolved to exist, Miss Newsom said. And I like that the landscapes are viewed from a great distance in most cases, which is an image that comes up a lot for me in these songs. Viewing things from above, speeding over landscapes. So I thought that was cool to keep in mind. A much different perspective from the other albums, too. Like, yeah, at least she with, kept. Sorry, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. No, no, no. I just feel like with Heaven on Me, our, our feet were very firmly on the ground. Yeah. East, I'm not really sure where we were, but not above. Not speeding above the landscape at all. And like yeah. she mentioned a bunch how earthy and earthbound the narrator of that album was. So it mm -hmm. is, I think there, I think you're right. There is a stark difference there. Um, <clears throat> New York Times says time is a constant concern on divers, historical time, space time, the human lifespan and the rise and fall of romances, cities and cultures. I'd say that's correct. Um, it also says that Joanna would allow that all the songs on Divers are all kind of love songs, which I thought was interesting. Oh. And beyond that, every theme on, this is, so, and beyond that, open quote, every theme on the record has this funny binary thing happening within it, she said. It finds its opposite and pulls against it, sometimes across the lines of two different songs and sometimes over a single lyric. Opposing forces are pulling the whole thing very tight the whole time. <clears throat> so I really loved that description. Um, and yeah, I feel that with the album forces. as a whole, too. Like, I feel that connection from the last song to the first song and all the way back around. Yeah. And these, like, very huge themes of, like, life and death and, like, yeah. um, like imminence and transcendence and, yeah, all these just, as she says, opposing forces. Uh, I really love that description. <clears throat> do you have a t-shirt that says, Stan Brave, Life Liver? I do not. I wish I, I, wish I had that t-shirt. I, I have a little did. plaque, this guy. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. <laughs> so have this cute. Little, I got like it's like supposed to be a business card um, display thing, but I just took a piece of paper and wrote "Stand Brave, Life Liver" on it, and it's been on my computer desk or my work desk. Uh, I don't know for the last seven years. So cute! <clears throat> I love that line though. It's so good. Yeah. 
Um, okay, let's see here. I feel like there's a lot overall in this album, a lot more of uh, the narrator's direct perspective, too. A lot of my's and I's. Mm. I'm just flipping through the different lyric pages. Yeah, and they all seem like that's that's part of part of the reason at least why I think that there's an argument to be made that these are all different narrators mm-hmm. uh because they all feel like situated within their own worlds. Um there's a quote somewhere here that sort of speaks to that too. Oh yeah, here okay, so uh this is in a this is in a rookie interview um and the person writes you you've mentioned that recording the voiceover for paul thomas anderson's movie inherent vice felt similar to recording a song how did the timeline for that project fit in with this album and did anything carry over to this record from the experience of filming and recording the voiceover and she says i had done all of my recording of the record before i did the movie i think i'd started the the mixing process So from a writing or arrangement perspective, there wasn't any crossover. It's possible that the idea of a complete verisimilitude, dot, 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 I'll say this about all Paul Thomas Anderson films. They each inhabit purely different worlds. You can always recognize his movies as his movies, but the air smells different. The ground feels different underfoot. The quality of the light is different. It feels like they are just completely separate from each other. You look up Inherent Vice next to Boogie Nights, The time period is fairly similar, at least approximate, and those two films look and feel completely different. So I was definitely thinking about that idea when I was mixing the record. There was some crossover there in the sense that I wanted each world that each song occupied to feel different. So I thought that's cool and like sort of speaks to the fact that they're all on these separate pages, right? With this Mm -hmm. like separate artwork where there's still this like Kim Kiever's vibe to each (laughs) piece but they're different they're different and in that vein there's you know there's a different there's a really specific element to each of them there's different colors there's different you know it's all natural features but there's differences between all of them I'm just going to keep thinking of diverse and divers now (laughs) constantly um yeah it's also just cool cool to hear her talk more about the process of it. There, it's super cool. And there's so much more information about her speaking about that process. Um, so <laughs> I can qu- cut some of this out if it's too many quotes from her. I just went crazy this morning. But speaking on the process, mm-hmm. Ricky asks, your new album Divers is noticeably different from your others. The songs are shorter and you use different instrumentals. Did you want to experiment with either of those things or did the songs just end up like that? And she she responds, I knew early in the process that there was going to be a lot of narrative connections on the record and that those were going to be these thematic things that kept coming up. Once I'd written three songs, I had a sense of what the album was going to be about. And I also knew that it was going to be a real harmonic connection that ran through the record. There's a connection from the end of each song to the beginning of the next harmonically. Mm-hmm. And because I started to see the shape as being really unified and interconnected, I also decided early on that I wanted to balance that with a lot of variation, instrumentally speaking. This might be the first time I've written a record where from the ground up, the harp part or the piano, whatever I'm leaning on in the song, I've written that instrumental part in, in, in an anticipatory relief with spaces carved out where I knew that something specific was going to go or where I know something vaguely is going to go. Um, Okay. And then, yeah. In that sense, it was a decision early on to have the instrumental palette be really broad or deep, I should say. I wanted each song to be dense in a different way than the one before and the one after. I wanted to balance the connected aspect of the record with something that created definition within each song, I wanted to have each song be like a little vignette or a chapter. <sighs> Out of breath from reading that. <laughs> I love the idea that, and it's just so interesting as someone who isn't musical, that you can 
have a space in your brain and say, okay, for this song, I want like the, the most critical sound to be a piano. But the idea that you can like carve some space out for another instrument in your mind to not compete with the piano, but complement it in a really specific way and be able to like move along with the songwriting process and the rest of developing that song is really, really interesting. God, it's so cool and like so fundamentally different from like what I feel like my brain is capable of. Like I just don't have the space or the creativity or like the imagine the imagination to like to do that. I don't know, just to like leave space for this like other just be like, here's where I want it to be like a more grounded sound that the drums give us or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. And the similar things happen in writing and in art too, right? Like if you're leaving space for, you know, you have your protagonist, but you're leaving space for all these complimentary characters or you're painting something, some massive piece and you know what you want the overall feeling to be. But then there's also all of these um, back and forth with other colors and elements or whatever. Um it's something I appreciate, but don't necessarily understand or have a lot of experience with. Yeah. But it's cool to keep in mind as we work our way through this album too. Um, and also just makes me wonder if like, if there will be like one clear narrator throughout all of this, as there is like one clear, like lead instrument, or if we're going to see a lot of like, mishmashy stuff (laughs) (laughs) um yeah totally i think these are super interesting questions to keep in mind or like interesting ways of like framing our analysis going forward um okay and then the last thing that i had or that that i wanted to mention just before we start uh getting into actually getting into anecdotes um, was this part from an interview in Exclaim. So the interviewer for Exclaim um, asks, writing about you for NPR, Ann Powers noted that on Divers, she does ultimately seem to come down on the side of a feminized ability to make life even under the weight of mortality. She repeatedly contrasts the cyclical, seemingly freer or at least more independent lives of female figures with the experiences of men driven towards heroic tasks, including war. Her women walk, they labor, but they also wait and wonder after men. Is that so now this is that's the end of the quote and the exclaim interviewer asks, is that something you've purposely confronted on this album? It feels like you're confronting a more feminized perspective here than started on Have One On Me. Sorry, that started on Have One On Me. And she writes, I definitely think it's accurate for Have One On Me. On Have One On Me, the narrator was saturated with femaleness. The narrator was a concentrated version of a feminized aspect of me as a writer. Whether that's fiction or speaking to my own life, I was completely inhabiting that part of my writerly voice. There are moments on this record that I think touch a similar place. But the narrator on this record kind of keeps changing. There we go. Um, it's a very fluid narrator, jumping from perspective to, sp- to perspective and voice to voice. The thing about gender on this record, one of the things I keep coming back to, is duality. Not so much binary opposition, but actually duality, twinning. If you look at the lyrics on Divers, there's a lot of twinning and a lot of navigation of the border between the man and the woman the sea and the shore. That song is partially about gender divers. Um, but part of the impetus of that song was something that I haven't seen anyone touch on yet. I don't think I even want to go into it because eventually someone is going to write something about this song that is going to begin to explore part of what the song meant to me, but it's very linked the whole record. It's partly linked to gender identity and what it means to be a woman or to be a man in the context of our existence and our time. So, Because I know that inevitably we are going to want to talk about gender in our discussions about this album. I thought that that quote would be sort of an informative starting place for those many discussions that I'm sure are going to come. 
It is. And I will pick up that breadcrumb and carry it with me and try to <laughs> fit it in wherever we can because that's really interesting. It almost makes yes. it harder knowing all of these things she said. Why? Just like to make what we think fit in with those various things? I think just because there's like more clearly defined crumbs to find. And mm -hmm. like, I'm determined mm -hmm. <laughs> to find them all. Yeah. And she's saying like, they're there. <laughs> Go on. Yeah, exactly. She's <laughs> naming them, Nikki. She's yeah. naming them into existence. And that makes it harder. It's easier when we don't know if things are actually happening. <laughs> is yeah, it? She's, is it not? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. She's naming it in this like really fun way where she's like, I'm not going to tell you anything other than like there's an existence of some gender breadcrumbs. Mm -hmm. There's an existence of some war and life and time and love breadcrumbs. There's <laughs> multiple narrator narrators going on. There's all sorts of shit. But like beyond that, she's like, I can't just spell it out for you. You have to go discover it. And that's fine. We can do that. We can spend the yeah. next year talking about it. It's all good. I hope we spend the next year talking about this. I will be so uh, sad once we finish Divers because, yes, we still have Milk-Eyed Mender. We still have, uh, like, the little EPs, maybe. But, like, for me, These yeah, the big Divers ones. just – This is – yeah, exactly. It's the big one. Um, well, let's I mean, say that, like – before we run out of things to talk about, there'll be a new album. And then yeah. <laughs> years of content to look towards. This is what I'm hoping. And I love that we have our new recording pattern of spending more than one recording on each song. Because then at least it can get split up into there might there like very well could be some seven parters coming up. As with Kingfisher. Um, I really like even just listening to, like I listened to anecdotes a bunch of times today on my commute. And it's even just nice to have space for just the listening, like not even research. Um, yeah. You know, today was really rainy. So it's nice to like listen to anecdotes in the rain on the train and like through the back lanes <laughs> and whatever. And then like, you know, next week, who knows? Who knows? Maybe it'll be nice to listen to anecdotes in the sun. I'm sure it will be. So <laughs> one thing that this album is for me in the most personal way, it, I was living in Montreal when it came out. I remember so vividly going to like the local record shop, um, being there like as soon as it opened or like maybe it was as soon as I could after work, there were only three copies in the entire store. Ooh. I remember getting a copy, texting our mutual friends and saying like, go, 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 go. Like, <laughs> get it's it here, now. get it. And then like carrying it home in my little tote bag and like getting <laughs> home, making a cup of coffee and laying everything out and like laying on the floor and listening. And then for like the next years after that, like listening to it as I walked around Montreal through all of its seasons. And it's, it's so special to me because of that. Like we, I know we've talked about how like when you listen to certain podcasts or whatever, you can remember exactly where you are, exactly what you are doing. And like listening to A Pinlight Bent for me is my walk home, walking over the mountain and seeing like the fall trees. And it's just such like a special Aww. romantic like romanticized moment yeah. <laughs> yeah. in my life you know in this like giant existential burning garbage pile <laughs> this life this is like one special like nice little time that's such a nice memory and I love that it's like so situated for you for in like Montreal in this like super like yeah, less dumpster fire time. <laughs> Just so young and like hopeful and like, you know, this music is so special. Because um, you guys moved from Winnipeg to Montreal in what year? 2012 or 13? We moved at the end of 2012 because yeah. everyone thought the world was ending and we were like, we better go. Why was the world ending in 2000? Was that? That was just one of the conspiracy theories okay. at the time. All right. Um, yeah. Yeah, okay. And so, yeah, it was still, like, this, like, yeah. Even though it was only... 2015, to me, 
feels simultaneously like a long time ago and like yesterday. Yeah. Like I so vividly remember like Trump running for president, like not yet having been elected and just like the shit show is that that was. And like to me, recent times is like because I moved from Winnipeg to Syracuse to go to grad school. And so like since I've been in the States, I like that's like recent time for me still. Yeah. But like it is not anymore. It's not recent time. That was actually a long ass time ago. Seven years is not recent anymore. So it feels both like new and fresh, but also like it's long enough ago now that you can feel nostalgic over it. Like we're older now. <laughs> we're older and like it's so on theme with the album to have no concept of time to at once feel like shit is happening so fast and also <laughs> yes. that nothing has changed at yes. all. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, I get it, Johanna. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the first time I listened to this, it was like much less ritualistic. It was like, holy shit, Johanna came out with a new album. Like I need to listen to this Where as were soon you? as I possibly can. I was just the time in my apartment in Syracuse. So I lived in this little basement apartment by the myself. cold apartment. Cold apartment? Was it the cold apartment? I feel like for one of these apartments, you only had oh, like... Oh, yes. 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 It was freezing. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Oh, my God. It was so cold all the time. And I can't remember if it's because I had my own thermostat and it was just that heat was so expensive that I would mm, keep it freezing. Sure. I think that might have been it. Sure. I can't remember or if somebody else had control over the heat. But I just so vividly remember for some reason I it was like much less like I didn't have the album. I like get I don't know if I had it on like Apple Music or something. I don't know how I got it, but it was just on my phone with headphones in. And I was doing laundry at the time as I was listening to it for the first time through. And I just remember going back and forth like to the laundry room and then back to my bedroom and like folding clothes and like going putting more quarters in the fucking machine and then yeah I don't know why I remember that so well but that was the first time I heard the album and I like I remember really liking it I remember a pin light bent sticking out to me has one of my favorite ones from the get-go I remember also not knowing what to make of it the whole album I mean because um, it was so different right yes it was very different yeah in a weird way though like I can't quite describe what felt immediately different about it um like I, I in in reading a bunch of interviews uh and people writing about divers today I saw a bunch of people say that it was more accessible and like I don't than her previous records have been and like I don't know if that captures it for me like the way that it feels different um because I don't know like I don't know would you agree with that I think that just like overall the sound really shook me. Um, yeah. The sound, the visuals. And I don't really know why. Like it's unfair to expect that an artist just keeps making the same music. And you also wouldn't be pleased with that, right? Like if mm -mm. every album was just East, I think we would be like okay like what's next or yeah maybe we wouldn't maybe we would just yeah. listen to <laughs> seven different renditions of monkey and bear and that would be totally fine um yeah i can't pinpoint what exactly was different about it but um, um i mean one of the things that she mentions in a bunch of these interviews is that they're the instrumentation is super dense mm -hmm. and like she talked about having collaborated with those those um like more people than she ever had before and even though I'm not musically sophisticated enough to be able to like pinpoint that as like what feels different, like it strikes me as plausible at least that that mm -hmm. could be what's going on. There's like, cause like, you know, like there's like shit that you wouldn't expect to hear from Joanna's other stuff. Like the end of like, um, Waltz of the 101st Lightborn, for mm -hmm. example, it like, and, and like at the end of, um, the things I say, like there's like backwards she like plays herself backwards and like gets like electronic in a way that yeah. is surprising for John and Isom. Um, so there's that at least. There's just like more musical stuff happening that isn't just harp and piano. And, and not to say that like, I mean, have one on. We had a lot of instruments too. So I don't really know. It did, but not in the same way. Not in the same way. Like have one on me feels a lot, a lot more broken down than 
divers does to me at least. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Totally. Was just um, flipping through the shit posting group, wondering like what people were thinking about divers. And it's interesting. People in just random comments, someone mentioned diverse. Uh, someone said divers has many references to a classic cross-cultural theme in myth and parables. Someone diving into the underworld or bottom of the ocean to confront something or to rescue something. I think those are both really interesting yeah, places that the music could go. Uh-huh. A lot of downward motion uh, specific to diving, which is an interesting direction too. Like I know we talked about hell in have one on me quite a bit um so that's where my brain goes immediately and like obviously if we're talking about life and death that's um a pretty big thing that might be happening um yeah um do you have a ranking of divers among joanna newsome albums Oh, that's a good question. I don't even remember what I've said in the past about something <laughs> yeah. like this because I know you've asked me this question before. Yeah, I think I'm in, sure I have. in casual conversation and like <laughs> as we record ourselves, say it for other people here. Um, I don't know if I do. I will say that this album probably more than others i have my favorite songs yeah and i think i tend to listen to those more than i do the album as a whole even though it's so cyclical i find myself skipping around on this album a lot more or having specific lines from specific songs in my head and then like satiating that craving to hear that part of that song yeah and it doesn't necessarily always translate into a full Listen, like, I think that's something that really happens for me with East. Um, mm. Do you have a ranking? I don't know. I, even though I'm the person who asked this question, I kind of hate <laughs> that question. Yeah. Um, like, I think that I would say, like, just in terms of, like, what I'm emotionally most attached to, like, I think mm-hmm. that I would say East is first and then Diver second and then Have on Me third and then Milk Eye Bender fourth. Obviously love them all. Obviously every one of them is a masterpiece in its own way. Um, But like I really like Divers. Like that I like it more than Have One On Me I think is um, like surprises me. I don't think that I would have thought that I would say this like, you know, five years ago. Well, especially after a year of talking about Have One On Me, I'm kind of surprised (laughs) to hear you say that. Um, Yeah, I love Divers. Um. Yeah, a lot of people, there's a lot of hate for it though. I do know that from online forums. Like, I don't know about what songs people like best of those who like divers, but I do know that there's like this whole like, like thread of people who just uh, judge divers lovers. Um, but whatever. I don't know. They're wrong. So, uh, <laughs> I think that too, when you're so, and I feel like this about many different artists, when you're so connected to hearing a certain vibe from an artist, it's really hard to accept something that's even a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And it's not even that Divers is so lyrically different or like different content wise but i think to the ear it is oh jesus just bonked right into the microphone (laughs) (laughs) professional setup over here um it does sound a lot different and you know it's a really special thing and a really rare thing to hear a new album from an artist that you love so much and immediately love it too like that almost never happens it never happens that what sorry that that you hear something new from an artist yeah that you love 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 and 
immediately you love the album as a whole and you love all parts of it. And I mean, yeah, I, you know, as I think about you as you're saying this, and I know you're someone who dives wholeheartedly into things and like, you know, obsesses about them for <laughs> a specific amount of time. But um, yeah. No, I could see that though. And I think that your point before about like when you get attached, like especially when the artist doesn't put out a lot, like mm -hmm. it feels like Jen is one of those artists where like it's not like she's releasing two albums a year and there's just like a shit ton of content to I sift through, right? She was, <laughs> I'll love them all, I swear. Oh my God, just to hear her demos or like if she has demos or just like little tidbits of songs would be amazing. But because we get so attached to like this small collection of songs that she puts out I do get being like um not immediately captivated by like a new sound if there is a new sound or like a new project because you're just so attached to the other stuff but I also think that she's yeah I just didn't have that experience with that like I I, I loved it on the first listen it was like similar enough to her um, other things I just like didn't understand it I was like why is there all of a sudden like this medieval music in the middle yeah, of this yeah, album yeah, like, fair question. <laughs> um yeah so and I think I'm still working through how everything fits together like when I listen to the album as a whole and I hear things like same old man and I'm just like but how does that how does that fit with time is a symptom or leaving the city but you know those are questions i can wrangle with yes, in the next year in the next year <laughs> 2022 baby. year of divers here we go it is may already i guess but it is may already um yeah okay so i think that's all i have to say for now at least about the album as a whole um because because it's more of a concept album like from joanna's own admission i think that we're going to be like stepping back and trying to zoom out a little bit more at least or i'll try maybe to do that more than i did for heaven on me because of just how um i don't know how central like the theme of the album seems to to even each interpretation of each individual song so i'm sure we're going to revisit a bunch of the shit we said just now yeah <laughs> yeah all right. So thank you guys so much for listening to our Divers Overview episode, which we just did. Uh, <laughs> you were here. You <laughs> we were here. You were here. You can write us with your thoughts. You guys probably have so many thoughts on Divers. We have an entire album coming up ahead of us. So email us any of your thoughts and theories and just feelings about divers we are we would love to hear from you especially in voice memo form but in any form our email is a hopeless endeavor at gmail.com um there's a facebook group a hopeless endeavor join a Newsome podcast there is a patreon uh patreon.com slash a hopeless endeavor there we have bonus episodes we have early episode releases um we're pretty ahead of the releases as i record this at least i'm not sure when this is going to come out and where we'll be but um, go check that out. Sam does an amazing job of running our Instagram oh, and you can DM her there too. She's very good at that. You sure it can. Is. And if you have already sent us stuff about divers and you're like, oh shit, did they get it? Don't worry. We did. I've just saved it away in the corner of the email, um, for when it is relevant, which will be very soon. Yay. Um, thank you for doing that, Sam. Mm -hmm. And then also is the, is the Instagram... A Hopeless Endeavor podcast? Yep. I believe so. Is that all the things? We have Instagram. We have email. We have Patreon. We have Facebook. The other day I was like, what if we had a TikTok? What would you do on TikTok? And then I was oh like, I don't want to make TikToks for this. This is too much. <laughs> it would just be a bunch of TikToks of us setting up recording and then not. <laughs> and then, you know, I thought it would like crying in the rain and listening to <laughs> uh, videos of us crying in various locations. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would watch this. <laughs> let us know if you want that. Oh, Lord. All right. We'll be back next week with part one of our discussion on anecdotes. 
buckle in, guys. It'll be quite the year. Yeah, I'm ready ish. Yeah, I'm ready ish, I guess, too. We're doing it anyways. Yeah. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Bye. Bye.